Hey, hello, everyone, and welcome to an exciting Chabura members' shiur. Today will be the first installment of a very important new three-part and text-based series going through the introduction of the Chovat HaLevavot by Rav Bachya ibn Pakula. We are privileged to have our very own Chacham Eli Shalbi teaching this series, where we will learn about the internal mental process that the Torah demands of us. A little bit of our, about our speaker, Eli Shalbi is currently a PhD student of Arabic language and literature at Hebrew University, writing on the Maimonidean roots in the thought of Rabbi Avraham ben Harambam. He served as the translation editor of a new Hebrew edition of Rambam's Marin Vuchim through Mifal Mishneh Torah and is currently working on several projects, including a forthcoming English translation of Rambam's introduction to the Mishnah from the original Judeo-Arabic. Eli is also the head of the Israel division of the Chabura and teaches at Yeshivat Eretz Hatzvi. He lives in Jerusalem with his wife, Meital, and son, Ori. Uh, personally, I'm honored to help the Chacham with his efforts at the Chabura and we at the Chabura want to give him a special mention for all the leadership, hard work, time, and concern he has invested in the Chabura. Thank you for all that you do. Um, if you speak Hebrew or live in Israel, I highly recommend joining the Israel division of the Chabura, which has incredible series, get-togethers, and a journal and publishing house in Hebrew. Um, as usual, all our classes are recorded and will be available later on our website. Please raise your hand if you have questions, and please, God, we will have time for questions at the end as well. Uh, with that said, thank you so much, everyone, for joining. Chacham, it is a privilege to have you with us, and the floor is yours. Okay, thank you, Ron. Um, definitely not a Chacham, but I'm uh, <laughs> happy to teach whatever I can. Um, so, so first of all, uh, I know usually classes are more, uh, you know, lecture style, but I would like uh, if people have comments or questions throughout the class to just hop in, uh, you know, take yourself off mute ask whatever you whatever you want as we're going through. Uh, this class is essentially, uh, the series, is essentially going to be a textual, uh, a more textual class. I want to go through, we'll go through as much of the introduction as we can. I don't expect to finish the whole introduction in three uh, classes. Um, if we can finish, the, the introduction is divided into two halves, as we'll, we'll see, or we won't see, because we're not going to get to the second half. I hope to uh, finish the first half. Um, that being said, I will I'll give a brief introduction first uh, about uh, about the book, about its importance, and uh, and why why it is that I chose uh, this text specifically, uh, and why why I think it's important. So first of all, Chovot uh, Levavot, written by Bahia ibn Fakuda. Bahia lived in the, the second half of the 11th century in Saragossa, in uh, northern Spain. Um, besides for that, and for the fact that he was a Dayan, and that he wrote Havot Levavot, we know almost nothing else about him. That's basically all that we know about him. Uh, we also know he wrote, like, we have like two piyutim that he wrote. Uh, there's another book that, that is uh, attributed to him. It's probably not written by him, um, and that's it. We really don't know anything about him beyond that. He lived around the same time and place as other uh, really great hachamim, Sephardic hachamim, Ibn Gabirol, and lived around the same time and place, um, you know, a few others. And, and the, the book, as we'll see, is really, really unique in what it sets out to do. He himself is going to say that. He's going to say, I'm doing something for you that no one before me has ever done. And I don't understand why, because it's so important. I know why no one has done it. So that's why I feel like I have to do it. 
And so it's a really, really important book. And we'll discuss in a little bit uh, why. Um, so, so first of all, is not the original name of the book. The book is called Kitab al-Hidayah al-Faraid al-Qulub, the book that is a guidance to the uh, duties of the heart. And the word Faraid, Faraid al-Qulub, Qalb al-Qulub is heart, the hearts. And Faraid, or Farb, is what is translated as Chavot, or duties. Now, were I translating the text today, and there were no translation to have proceeded, I probably would have called the book Mitzvot Halevavot, and not Chavot Halevavot. And, you know, once uh, something sticks from the uh, 12th century translation, it's not so uh, easy to undo, undo that. So uh, that's the, the name of the book as it's uh, received. And we'll talk a little bit about why I would say Mitzvot Halevavot when we get into the text itself. Um, okay, now as for, uh, so the book was obviously written in Arabic, right? It's been translated uh, a few different times. Uh, the first translation was done by Yudai bin Tibon already way back when, uh, or just a little bit after uh, Bahia himself lived. Um, and the, the translation that we're going to be using is uh, Mori Yosef Kafir's translation. Uh, Yosef Kafir somehow managed to out-translate the whole Tibon dynasty <laughs> in one lifetime as one person, translating all of Rambam's works, Saadiyah's works, Chavot Edovavot, Kuzari, and a bunch of other things. Uh, so, so this is also another one of the books that he translated. Um, we're, we're going to be using his translation, although there are other translations uh, out there. Um, there are also some English translations, um, and there's some uh, an English translation done by someone named Mansur, which is a, good, a very good translation done from the Arabic. Um, so if you guys want to study it in English, I, I recommend that. Uh, but we're going to be studying it in the Hebrew. Not in the English and not in the Arabic, we'll be studying it in the Hebrew, and we'll be uh, studying it together. Okay, now a little bit as to the importance uh, any questions so here? All that was just like introductory data before we start the actual class. Any questions? Okay, great. Um, so what is the importance of the book of Chavot Edavavot? So first of all, Chavot Edavavot has been a top seller throughout all of Jewish history in the Jewish world, throughout the whole Jewish world, in the Sephardic world, in the Ashkenazi world, uh, in the yeshivish world, in the modern period, in, in the ancient period, it's been a top seller all throughout history and uh, has really remained that. And that sense is really remarkable. Not many books have really had such a far uh, reach uh, in that sense uh, as Chavot and Vavot has. And, uh, and it's really been studied in a lot of different contexts. Today, uh, and for that reason, it's really a staple of the Jewish library. There's no, there's, there's almost always you're going to see uh, this book on a bookshelf or whatever it is. That being said, it's oftentimes not studied uh, within its original context, right? It's usually uh, nowadays a pen, uh, labeled as a part of like the Muslim movement type of books, uh, even though it's written in 11th century or 12th century 
Spain, right, uh, in Arabic, right? So, um, so we'll be studying it as, uh, right, in, in its original context. Um, but uh, that says something, Lishvach, right, uh, when it's praiseworthy in the book, uh, as far as how, uh, how relatable it is to so many different cultures and so many different people, because it speaks to something that is really so essential. Okay, um, so with that, uh, so why is the book so essential? So we as Jews, we're very good at having discussions on very complex halakhic issues, um, whether it is, uh, you know, all the various mitzvot, the study of Talmud, the study of halakha, all these different things. And, uh, and these mitzvot, right, all the mitzvot are essentially, right, they are all meant at the end of the day to help man, right? They are a means for man to perfect himself, right? Um, that is a really, uh, it's a principal idea, right? Rabbi Dweck has spoken about it numerous times about whether the mitzvot are a means or an end, right? Uh, there's a few, he's given a few classes on that, right? And the mitzvot really are a means for us to perfect ourselves. They are not just random, right? Because uh, if they were not a means, if they were an end in and of themselves, you could have had random mitzvot. You could have had a mitzvah jump up and down 10 times and spin around, right? You could have had anything, right? And then a het would simply be not doing what was said, and a mitzvah would be doing what was said. But God is not arbitrary, right? There are reasons for the mitzvot, because the reasons come to, uh, um, are designed based on man's nature to help him develop himself, right? And they are designed based on how man is, right? So why is jumping up and down, why does that look weird to us as a mitzvah? It looks weird because it has nothing to do with anything that would help anybody, right? It seems to make no sense, right? It's pointless. So no mitzvah is pointless, right? And the mitzvot are all designed to help man undergo some change. And hold on one second, sorry. Uh, sorry, I apologize. Uh, I have a baby sleeping in the other room, and we have a babysitter. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, so, so I might every once in a while need to help with something. Um, okay, sorry. So I was saying, right? So all of these books, right, are designed to uh, for that purpose, right? Are designed to help a person uh, perfect himself, right? That being said, it's not the physical action that is the end, but rather the person's soul and once you understand that so then you can ask yourself okay so then how does a person uh work on his soul what does that mean to work on your soul right and that's the question that rabbinu bachia asks himself he asks what is the way 
to work on your soul. And he says that since this is the essence of why we have the whole Torah to begin with, this should be the foundation for all discussion. Because that's the whole point of everything. There's no point in dealing with all the nitty-gritties of various halachot until you have first dealt with the foundational issues. Because otherwise, what are you doing? You're just trying to understand, you know, uh, it gives a get, random sugyot that aren't really relevant on a day-to-day basis. Right? For what reason are you trying to study Torah? Right? And if we note, uh, the Torah is designed in the same way. Sefer Bereshit and the Nisyonot after Yetziat Mitzrayim and before Matan Torah, right? they are intentionally all before Matan Torah. Right? There is a process that God is trying to uh, help man go through before he gives them the mitzvot, because the mitzvot are going to be put onto that uh, foundation, right? The same thing is true with Harambam. Harambam, first of all, puts Ilchot Yesodea Torah, because that's the foundation of everything. And then Ilchot Deot, right? Deot being the perfection of one's self. And only then Ilchot Talmud Torah, right? Talmud Torah and the study of Torah, there's no point in studying Torah if you're not doing it in the proper context. Right? So he first puts the Yesodot and the Yesodot because that's the proper context. And then Talmud Torah. And then only after that does he actually start with writing Halachot. Right? And he starts with the most important Halachot, which is Abu Dazra, because that's the foundation of what Judaism is all about. Okay. And um, so that's what Rabbeinu Bahya is doing, right? Um, and it's really a foundational issue because it's putting us into the proper context of what it means to worship God, right? And, right? And this is, uh, and this is something that we've seen, we see all throughout the Mikra, right? Lamma li Right? Why are you giving me all these uh, korbanot? Right? right? I don't want right Yeshaya who says right. I don't want your korbanot. I want your heart. Right? Uh, right? What is God request of you? Requests that you fear Him. Right? Etc. Uh, Etc. Et right? Um, so let's let's hop into the text. Uh, that's uh, I think enough for an introduction. Are there any questions um, before we start? Okay, so let's start. And hold on, I'll share screen. Okay. Do you guys all see the text? Okay, great. There you go. Okay, hold on, I see, okay. Hold on, let me put it in a way that it's, I can see your faces at the same time.
Okay, great. Okay, so we are starting. Uh, this is Rafkafa's uh, version, as I said. Uh, you can see the Arabic on the left side, and that's the original, right? The Judeo Arabic and Hebrew script. Um, and you see the translation on the right side, and here on the bottom, you see all of Mori's uh, footnotes and his comments. Okay, uh, so let's start. So, Hakdama, Sefer Torah Amar Mechaber. Now, in medieval, right, uh, you know, uh, if you're. Uh, Okay, froze. There are certain rules, right, of how how yeah. this is. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you froze for like uh, thirty seconds, so we can go back a little bit. Ah, okay, okay. Um, so. Where did it freeze? Right now, again, when you ask that question. Okay. You were about to explain in Middle Hebrew what the Hamechaber uh, meant, I think. Okay, okay. So, right, so, okay. so I started saying, right, in, um, right in, in high school, right, if you have an English teacher and she's teaching you how to write an essay, right, so um, I just, the teacher tells you, right, you have to have an introductory paragraph and then you need to have body and then you need to have a concluding paragraph right? there are certain rules of decorum of how a person writes right so and the same thing is true in the medieval world if you're writing a book you have to start with some sort of like a literary introduction that's just the rules of the game uh, and almost every author does it uh, and usually the the literary the, the poem is going to have something to do with the uh, not usually, it will, right? The, the poem will have something to do with what the uh, book is going to be about, but the introductory paragraph is always a little difficult because it's it's a poem, right? It's not meant to be read, uh, you know? Uh, so we'll go through it relatively quickly. Okay, let's go over that. So the author says, right, that's the introduction. Praise be to God, the uh, God of Israel. Right? This God is the God, the God that we're now going to be discussing is the God that Israel worships. And what is, and who is he? Right? Who is one in the true sense of oneness. Right? What does he mean there? Um, so for this, you, right, you have to study the first section. Right? We're in the introduction. The first section of the Chavot Revot is Sha'ar Yehud, right? the section on oneness of God. And so the, here is saying in the true sense of oneness, and not oneness in the sense of a number, like he's one and not two and not three, uh, right? Uh, like there's one, uh, 
one napkin. Now there's two napkins, right? That's not what he means. It doesn't mean one in that sense, in the true sense. And what does he mean by that? We can study Shara Yehud another time. Ha'emet, right? Who is true. Ha'kadmon Rabmesiut, who is eternal, right? Going all the way back. Shetuvot Midi, right? Whose goodness is constant, right? He is always giving good uh, to man and to the world. Okay, so that's part one, right? And that's all descriptions of God. And now he says, So now it's not about God, it's about his actions, right? And what did he do? He created all existing things so that they indicate or signify his oneness. And he created all created things that they testify to his omnipotence, the edut alikhulto, right, his ability. Right? And he another uh, or he brought into existence all existing things that they uh, notify or they let let people know of his wisdom and his general goodness. Right? So he is creating the world that the world is all pointing to him, right? It's all indicating him, it's all signifying him. right? Like the Hasid, who is the Hasid here, right? The Hasid is David and right? So, like the Hasid said, right? And this we say in Tefillah every day, right? In his Mur Tehillah to David, right? Right, so uh, a little bit differently from how I would have thought that the shat would be, um, but he is understanding it of ma'asecha is here the subject, right? It's the subject of the verb, not the object, right? So it's not that, right? I would I would have said that the shat is that one generation praises to another generation your doings, right? Your creations, right? Uh, note that dor le Right, probably means one generation to another. If we want to say forever, we would usually say dor vador, right? Or dor dor, right? Not dor ledor. So here, uh, so dor yeshabach et maasecha ledor, right? That's how I would have said it in modern Hebrew. Although here he's not under, and they also yegidu et gevurotecha. Uh, but that's not how he's understanding it based on the introduction that he just gave, right? Because it's not the people who are praising God, right? It is the creation that is praising God. That's what he just said, right? He said he created all creations that they praise or that they testify, right? And that they notify of his wisdom, et cetera, et cetera, right? So he is taking Maasech as the subject. Right? So if I were restructuring the sentence, it would be dor vador, he probably understands, right? Forever. Dor vador, ma'asecha ishabbehu, 
ויגידו את גבורותיך. Right? That's uh, probably how, how he's taking it, right? So by all generations, right? For all eternity, your creation praises you. And it tells, and they tell your uh, majesty, right? And so to the next pasuk, right? All of your creation, they are, uh, they acknowledge, right? You, God, right? All your creations acknowledge you. Right? And your Hasidim, right? They all uh, declare your, your blessedness. Right? And so too, right? Uh, again, it's uh, the subject is Maasecha, right? They say, and they speak your devotion, right? Your majesties. And why is he doing all of this, right? And this is the punchline. Why? Why are the creations doing all this? In order to inform man of of his of God's uh, one one uh, wondrousness of His Majesty and right and the splendor of His uh, kingship, right? So uh, right, He's bringing these pesukim to show that the reason that we have creation is that creation comes to signify God's majesty and, uh, and awesomeness. Okay, so that's it for the introduction, right? Uh, from here on, it is not going to be as difficult, right? I said this is a literary poem and just the style of how to open a text. And now we're actually going to start. So let's pause there, right? So of the most important, right? So we just said that God is constantly good, right? He's always good for, he's always giving good. And one of the most important good things that he gives to, gave to man, right? After the fact that he created them with the properties that by which they are able to have uh, full and complete discernment and understanding, right? So note, note. Uh, okay, so of the, of the good that is after that is mada, right? Knowledge or wisdom, right? Um, note how he phrased it. He said. One of the best things that God gave after X is Y, right? Meaning, what's the best thing that God gave, man? X, not Y, right? Because <laughs> one of the best things they gave him after X, meaning that X is the best, right? So what's the best thing that God gave man? The property by which he is able to understand, right? Which is man's intellect, right? Through, God, through man's intellect, he's able to do anything, right? He's able to understand, right? That's what makes him man, right? In Rambam's language, that's his Selem Elohim. And the best thing that God gave him, man, after the intellect 
is knowledge or wisdom, right? Which is the object of what the intellect engages with, right? Okay. Okay, right? So knowledge, right? That's the greatest thing after wisdom that man that God gives to man. And what is knowledge? Knowledge or wisdom is life for their heart, right? A person with wisdom is filled, right? His his heart is filled, he's he's alive, right? Vener right? It's a light for their uh, right? We even have that in, in Western, uh, you have, once you get an idea, right, in a cartoon, what does he have? He has a light bulb that comes up above his head, right? It's a neher lesichlehem, right? Because all of a sudden, he's, he's, the light is on. And it guides man, right? By having knowledge, man is guided to performing God's will. Right? Because if you don't have knowledge, then you don't know what God wants of you. And if you don't know what God wants of you, then you can't do what God wants of you. Right? So you have to have knowledge. Right? And having knowledge, because you are then able to do his will, you're then saved from his wrath right? in this world and the next. Right? Right? Like the Hasid said, and again, who's the Hasid? David the Melech, right? Ki Adonai yiten chokmah mitiv da'at utmuna, right? God gives chokmah, he gives wisdom, mitiv da'at utmuna. From his mouth comes da'at, right? And tevuna, knowledge and discernment. Ve'amar Elihu, right, from Iyob, achen ruachi ba'enosh, Right? Indeed, Ruach He, He again goes back to Chokmah. Chokmah is Ruach Be'enosh, right? It, it, it gives life to man, right? This is his source for what he just said, right? Chokmah gives life to man. Venishmat Shaddai and the Neshima, right? Veitach Be'atav Nishmat Chayim, right? God blows into man. So that neshama, right, that blowing into man, his spirit, right, nishmat shaddai, that is what gives man bina, right? That is what is tevine, right? It gives them bina. The Amar Hasid, here it's a different Hasid, Daniel, Yehiv Hokmeta Lahatinin, Omandi'a Liyadi'a right? God gives wisdom. Right, Yahiv. Yahiv means to, to give. Yeah, Shorish Yod Bet is to give. Right, like we say in Zimun. Havlan Venivrich Malakai Laat Kadisha, right? Havlan, right? Hav or Havanagila, right? Another another example, right? Is to give, right? Right. He gives wisdom to wise people. Umandi'a, right, which is the word Mada, but in Aramaic. To people who understand, who have been at. Right? 
מדריכך בדרך תלך. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to do good, who guides you on the path on which you should go. Right? So uh, again, this is the proof text for the last thing he said, that with knowledge, you know how to do God's will. Okay, and then uh, that was like a secondary little, it was a little poetic here also. Okay, so now he said, knowledge is the most important thing that man can have, right? Um, because with knowledge, man is alive. And with knowledge, man is able to know what God wants of him. And with knowing what God wants of him, he's able to do what God wants of him, right? Like uh, our Hachamim say, right? Study leads one to action and not the other way around, right? Action doesn't lead one to study necessarily, but by studying, that leads one to action. Okay, and now he's going to say, what do we mean by knowledge, right? What does that mean? So he says, Okay, so now he says, knowledge or wisdom or science, however you want to translate this word, right? The word in Arabic is ilm. Ilm means uh, knowledge, wisdom, or science, right? It can mean all three of those. Um, so right, that's when Rambam writes, Sefer right? That's what he's referring to also. Mada uh, is divided into two into three parts. The first part is the uh, right. So here's really science is better translation. The first part is the natural science, right? What we call natural sciences still today, and that is knowledge of right? The natures of of bodies, right? Of the physical things and their Happenings, right? The study of the natural sciences, physics, uh, biology, right? all these things are the first part. The second part is the mathematical sciences. Right? By which we mean algebra, right? Engineering, right? Um, um, astronomy, right? Not astrology. And also the combination of various melodies, and that's called music, right? So interesting that music is included within the uh, uh, within this, uh, right? and also logic would also be included here, right? These are all um, uh, languages by which you can express or understand various things. 
And the third science, Helika Shalishi, Hamada Elohi, a divine science. What is the divine science? Is the knowledge of God, knowing God. And also, Yediat Torato, and knowing his Torah. And also, knowing all of the other created, uh, sorry, all of the other things that are known through the intellect, right? Because what is a muskal, right? So there are some things that can be known uh, through sense perception, right? By seeing, by observing, right? By hearing, right? And those would all fall under the first category, right? The knowledge of madaiteva, or the natural sciences. The muskalot are things that are not known through the senses, but are known through the intellect, right? Such as a person's soul, uh, the intellect, and the various uh, spiritual ishimu hanim, is probably referring to malachim, right? Things that are spiritual in uh, in uh, in uh, right in their in their properties, right? Um, and here I'll put a, a side comment. In modern Science, right? So this, these are three types of sciences, right? And Bahia is not uh, anything here. He's not saying anything novel. And uh, this is a, a classical breakup of the sciences that everyone would agree with to. And Rambam has the same thing. And any scientist in the Middle Ages would say, would say the same thing. Note that in the modern uh, sense, science, where we say scientific method, right? Uh, or science in general is founded on observation, right? If you don't observe something or you don't, you don't have an experiment by which you can test something, so you can't know something scientifically, right? And, and that, right, uh, precludes the second and third uh, categories. Right? Only the first category can be included in scientific knowledge in the modern sense. Because right, math, and this is, right, this, I mean, this is a question that uh, philosophers will disagree with: Is math a science or not? Right? Uh, is logic a science or not? Right? Um, philosophers of science will disagree on that um, because it's not something that you observe. Right? It's not in the physical world. It's logical rules that you're thinking of. But a third type is definitely not a science. Right? Because uh, how can you observe a soul, right? How can you observe uh, the intellect, right? And you can understand the brain, you know what the brain is doing. And that's what will what leads many modern scientists to the conclusion that, the, uh, that when we talk about the soul, it's all completely physical, right? It's just a matter of your neurons firing in certain ways and consciousness is just a product of what's happening with your neurons. There's nothing non-physical happening because that's not scientific. That's, that's for theologians, that's for religions, that's not for uh, scientists, right? So the medieval scientists, right? They would say that our science is very, uh, uh, very low level because the whole, uh, the whole gift that God gave us of having an intellect is that we can perceive beyond just the physical observable thing. We are even able to understand God. We're able to understand right, non-physical things on a scientific level, right? 
we would come and say, oh, but that's that's not scientific because you can't observe it. They, they would they would laugh at that. Right? They would say you're primitive when you're a scientific person. Yeah. Um, so does muskalat um, does that include new, uh, refer to neurology, psychology? Psychology. So, so again, so it depends. Right? So neurology is a physical thing, right? So, so neurology would be biology, right? It would be a is a subcategory of biology, and biology is a part of the first part. It's part of madeateva, right? We're talking about the nefesh and the sechel. We're talking about non-physical things. Now, you can disagree. You can say, okay, fine, but he's a medieval guy, and we're in the modern we're in the modern era. And uh, you know he has he has primitive scientific understand uh, scientific methods and yeah you can say that uh, and I think the the mind body problem is a problem that has existed for a very long time and it still exists and uh, we're not going to solve it in a in a one hour habura uh, class uh, by that uh, right but you can get a little bit of a sense of it here okay. Uh, did I answer your question? Yeah, okay, great. So, so those are the three types of sciences. Okay. And all of these three parts of science, all of these three categories, these three different sciences, with all of their different topics, these are all gates, right? They are channels through which or by which, or that God opened, right? God opened these gates so that a man can apprehend, right? And understand that the alam, right? You can understand the religion, right, or uh, for lack of a better term, and this world, right? You can understand God, right, the, uh, the spiritual, and you can understand the world, right, the physical. Okay. Ella, right, because these are the two things that, that are important, right, the physical and the spiritual, right? So using these three sciences, we can understand both of them. Right? But, okay, so the three sciences come to help us understand these two aspects, the physical and the spiritual, but they don't uh, map out equally, right? The natural sciences are going to deal a lot more with the physical and the Divine sciences are going to deal a lot more with the spiritual, right? It's a uh, that's uh, uh, makes sense. Otama shayachin yoter right? The ones that deal more with the benefits of this world, who amada ayoter That is the lower science, right? That's what I just said. That Bahia would have told us that we are primitive in our scientific thinking, right? Because for us, we're just dealing with the lower science, right? And our scientific discussions, right? That is as well as the middle mada, right? The mathematical science. 
על כל מספרי העולם הזה ותועליותיו וטובותינו בו, ומדריכים לסוגי המקצועות וסוגי האמצעים להשגת דברים ההכרחיים לגופות ומותרות הקניינים בעולם הזה, right? So these two sciences together, right, which are the ones that in our world we focus on, right, these two, they indicate to us all the hidden things of this world, of this world, right, and all that it has to offer, right, all the benefits that it has to offer. Everything, all the good things that we can get out of it, right, so we can learn how to understand electricity and make out of it. out of it, light bulbs and computers and whatever, and the Chabura, right? Without electricity, we wouldn't have the Chabura. Okay? Umadirichim, the sugya niktsot, right? And they, moreover, they also lead us to all the different professions, right? If you didn't know how to use gas, you wouldn't have a gas station. If you didn't have a gas station, you wouldn't have a guy who fills up the gas, right? And it gives you different jobs, right? Or if you didn't know how to use glass, right? So then you wouldn't have Uh, uh, how do you call that job? A glasssmith? That's not the name. Uh, the guy who makes the glass, right? You wouldn't have that guy, right? You wouldn't have a blacksmith. You wouldn't have right, all these different people, right? You wouldn't have a doctor. You would, right? You need you need all these different professions, and all these professions you get through these two sciences. And you also get sugya ansaim leasagat devarim achiyim lagufat, right? And you also through them are able to. Uh, get all the different means, right? The things that you need uh, that are critical for you, right? That are necessary for your existence, right? For your physical existence, right? You need food, you need shelter, right? You need to know how to build a house. If you don't know engineering, you don't know how to build a house, right? All these things. And also not just what's necessary, but also what's uh, leisure, right? Or what's not necessary, it's, right? It's motarot. Right? So you need a house to live, but you don't need a mansion, right? So if you're living in, a, I don't know, in, a, in a, I don't know, some fancy place, right? You don't really need that. You could have had, you know, uh, come to Yerushalayim, live in a, in a small uh, two-bedroom in Nachlaot that's falling apart. That's good enough in Yerushalayim, you know? Not that I'm making a pitch to make Aliyah and come to Yerushalayim, but uh, you know, the Israel Chabura is, uh, it's not, it's worth happening. Okay. Aval, let's move on. Aval, amada'am yuhad betu'aliyot adat, right? So those two are the ones that deal primarily with this world. And the amada'am that deals primarily with, right? Because we said this world and we said, Religion, again, for lack of a better term, right? Uh, right? That, right? So the science that is particular for, or that is, uh, right, that is, uh, that is especially designed for us understanding, right? It's a gate that got opened by which we can understand uh, that is right? That's the The, ele the elevated, right, or the exalted Mada'a. The who? Hamada'a Elohi. Right, that's the Mada'a Elohi. Asher limudo chova alen kede leasig et adat. Right, which studying it is obligatory upon us, right? 
it's obligatory on the halachic is using a halachic word, right? It's mandatory for us so that we understand the death. Aval lemidato sigbo right? So, right, because he said all three of the not all three of the sciences, right, are both for understanding religion and also for understanding uh, the world, right? So the natural sciences, right? So if I'm studying biology, anatomy, so that's for being a doctor, but it's also for understanding in and in right? Because I want to, I, I don't want to eat what God prohibited me from, from eating. So in order to do that, I need to study and know what it is that I'm prohibited from eating. Uh, so Madaya Teva is for both. Likewise, Madaya Dat could be for both, but it is obligatory to do it for that, and it's prohibited for us to do it for this world, even though it could be, but it's prohibited. What does he mean that it's prohibited? Right, like Hamin said, Tanya, Ahava et Right? So a person should not say, or for all Tanya, right? A bright, or introducing a Baraita. Right? right, to love the Lord your God, to listen to him, right, to heed his words, right, and to cling to him, or to adhere to him, right, and why is this being said? So that a person not say, uh, let me read so that, right, let me study Torah, so that they will call me Hakam. I will right? I will study Mishnah or Halacha, uh, so that they call me Ribi. I will right? I'll study Halacha, so that I'll be an elder who sits in the yeshiva, right? Don't do it for all those reasons, right? Because all these things, those are a benefit of this world. Rather, study out of love, right? Right, that's the derasha, right? Study out of love, and the kavod will come. But don't do it for the kavod, right? And even if the kavod doesn't come, it doesn't matter because you didn't do it for the kavod, right? Um, and this, right? I'll, I'll keep seeing that. He gives a few more examples. Ve'ameru, aseh devarim l'shem po'alam v'dabber bahem l'shman. Right? Uh, do things uh, for their sake and speak things for their sake. Don't make them a crown, atara, a crown, by which to make yourself greater, and nor an axe by which to cut. Right? Don't make you don't don't use the Torah. For your own uh, benefit, right? Amar Bil Azar 
במסבות ואמרו אשרי איש ירא את אדוני במצוותיו חפש מאוד. אמר בלעזר במצוותיו ולא בשכר מצוותיו. כי תנען אל תהיו כעבדים המשמשים את הרב על מנת לקבל פרס אלא הבו כעבדים המשמשים את הרב על מנת שלא לקבל פרס והיא מורה שמיים עליכם. Right? So, and so too, the Pesuk says, fortunate is the person, Ashrei Ha'ish, who fears God. Why? Be'mitzvotav hafetz me'od. He has a great desire, right? Hafetz me'od, be'mitzvotav, right? He has a great desire for his mitzvot. Amar Rebil Azar, Rebil Azar, the Pesuk says, be'mitzvotav, ve'lo b'schar mitzvotav, right? The man has a great desire for his mitzvah, for God's mitzvot. He doesn't have a great desire for the reward of God's mitzvot, right? It's not that he doesn't desire the, the reward. He desires the mitzvot themselves. Like we taught in a Mishnah, kitenan, right? Tenan means that it's taught in a Mishnah as opposed to kanya, which is a baraita, right? In which Mishnah is this? Mishnah Masechet Avot, right? Altiyu ka'avadim. Do not be like servants who serve their master in order to receive a reward. Rather, be like servants who serve their master, right? And here, note the girsa. The girsa here matches Arambam's girsa and not like the uh, popular girsaot in the Vilna and other defusim, uh, right? Uh, right? Rather, be like servants who serve their master in order to not receive the peras, right? And the Raman and, and here Bachia's girsaot are al menat shelo lekabel peras, as opposed to the Vilna, which says shelo al menat lekabel peras, right? Right? Uh, the, the difference, right? According to the Vilna, it means rather be like servants who serve their master without the intention of receiving a reward. And according to Rabban and, 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 uh, and Bachiyaz Girsa, be like servants who serve their master with the intention of not receiving a reward, right? You're actively, you actively don't want a reward, right? It's even stronger. And the fear of God be on you, right? Uh, and with this we see, right, so it's well known that Rabban goes to great lengths to criticize uh, people who uh, make the Torah a means by which to make money, right? They make money off teaching Torah, right? Um, we see that it's not Rabban's innovation, right? We already see that uh, he's opening his book with this, right? And Chavot and uh, this is right. So even though all three sciences can be both for the world and for uh, religion, the divine sciences, even though they can be for both, one of them is obligatory and the other is prohibited. Okay, that's it. Any questions until here? And Betsy, I saw you raised your hand uh, a little bit earlier. Yes, I had a question about kavod. About why, if it's not important, do we always keep mentioning it? 
And the idea of, of we speak about the sahar not being what we're doing the mitzvot for, yet yeah. it's always brought as it's always brought really. And I just wonder why do we say it at all? I think because it's natural for people to 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 have that on their mind, right? Um, that's uh, right? Uh, it's very, very rare to find people who say, to hell with everything. I think this is what's right. I'm doing it. <laughs> it's, it's rare. And people are scared, right? Uh, they, right their kavod is, is, uh, is damaged and they, they get nervous, right? If they didn't care, then they wouldn't get nervous. Right. I think my question is more: What is kavod? It might sound silly. Uh-huh. What is what is kavod? That we, what is this that we are trying to protect so much that we are so afraid of? Is it our image and how others perceive us? So I, I think it would be different in different contexts. Yeah, but in this context, um, right? First of all, the shorish kavod. Right, the shorish is kavod galid kaved. Right, which means weighty. Right, heavy. Right. Give weight, right? Give them uh, the word yakar, by the way, which means expensive in modern Hebrew, also means heavy. And it's also that's also the meaning of that chorish, right? So kavod uh, is you want you you want to be heavy. You want to be a heavyweight, right? Uh, you want to be tra- You want you want people to treat you seriously and to to think that you're right that you're right or prime minister or whatever it is right whatever whatever kavod is for you right it could be that for you kavod is a, i don't know uh no, being a, a grand slam champion and uh, you're winning wimbledon whatever it is um and we're nervous of it because that's not the point right it's not that kavod is bad Right? Note here, it says the sofa kavod lavo, a kavod will come, and that's fine. Right? It's not bad to have kavod. What's bad is if you are studying Torah in order to get the kavod, because then you are going to warp the Torah to match whatever it is that is going to get you the kavod. Right? So if saying I don't know a certain uh, uh, thing. A certain thing that's unpopular right nowadays. Um, I could give examples, but then uh, like I might be damaging my tongue. <laughs> right? So saying something that's unpopular nowadays, right? And then you get a lot of heat for it, right? So if you're, you're studying Torah for Kavod, you're not going to say that thing, right? Okay. Uh, great. So you, mentioned, you mentioned money, though, because he mentions um, so that people don't call you Chacham or people don't call you Rabbi. But does he mention? It doesn't seem to mention so that you don't uh, make money. I know Rambam places a lot of um, importance on that, but does does Rabbeinu um, does Rabbi okay. Bachia? Uh, so, so right. So he doesn't he doesn't mention money here explicitly, but he mentions benefits of this world, right? And what benefit of uh, what of this world is beneficial more than money, right? Uh, that's my reading. Kavod is one example of that, right? 
Uh, okay. Um, Ohad, we need a uh, we need an end, right? Until at four zero, please continue. Um, yeah. I'm going. What time should I go to? Uh, however long you need. I can go another two hours. <laughs> what are you telling? <laughs> okay, hold on. Let's see. Let's see if this is a good place to stop. One second. Let's do one more paragraph and then we'll pause. Okay, so we mentioned that there were three sciences, right? Uh, this, by the way, is a great, uh, if anyone wants to study this properly, it's great to make a di diagram because it's very systematic. Uh, he's, he just started, but you're, it's going to keep going and it's very systematic. So we said that there's three sciences. Those three sciences are all mada, right? knowledge, which is the gift that God gave us. The greatest gift after um, with our intellect, and that the three sciences are gates through which to understand these two things, right? This world and God, right? And now uh, he's going to focus on uh, on the on the religion, right? So he said this world and religion, right? So now. This world is obviously not going to be the center of this book, right? Religion is going to be the center of the book. So now he wants to talk about religion. And it says that there are right? So the gates by which a person or that God opened, right? By which God, a person may come to know the religion and uh, his Torah, right? God's Torah, right? And all of this is a part of, right? So we're zooming in. So we had three sciences, natural, mathematical, and divine. The divine science, right, was knowledge of God and Torah, right, in, in the religion. So now we're zooming in. So how do you do that? How do you study uh, God, the Torah, Right. How do you do the divine sciences? Right? We're zooming in on the third. So there are three gates by which to understand the third. What are those three? Right? Just one second. Okay, right. So there are three gates by which we can understand the divine sciences. What are those three gates? The first is Right? The intellect that is whole or that is clean of all pega, uh, right? all uh, blemishes. The second gate by which to understand the divine sciences is Sefer Torah Amiti, right? The true book of the Torah, right? The Torah. 
in which Moshe Rabbeinu Nitnabeho, right, that he uh, receives via prophecy. And the third gate is a Masoret right, the tradition, right, that we received from our Hachamim, which they received from uh, the Nevi'im, right? Like we say, Moshe Kibbel Torah Misinai, Usagali Yeshua, Linvi'im, Linvi'im, Iskainim, right? All the way to the Hachamim. Yes, right? So there, these are the three gates by which to understand the, uh, the, uh, the divine sciences, right? Our intellect, Torah Shebikhtav, and Torah Shebi'alai, right? And in Arabic, it's, uh, it sounds nice because it rhymes, right? So we say, Al-Mahkun, Al-Maktub, Wal-Manqun, right? The, or in Hebrew, right? A muskal, a katuv, then masur, right? What through the intellect, the book, and the tradition. And note that the order in which he ordered them is not here uh, random. They are ordered in the order of their importance. The most significant is the intellect, because the intellect is what is true, right? Through the intellect, we can know something truly. And as opposed to the Torah and tradition, both, both of which, even if they're true, they're not something that you end up knowing fully on their own right. You, at the end of the day, are knowing it on the basis of authority, right? You're knowing it on the basis of a tradition that is being passed to you. And we're going to see this as an example that he's going to give in a little bit, right? About knowledge that there's one God. You can know that there's one God because, because you know that there's one God through however way you know that. Or you can know that there's one God because the Pasuk says, Shema Yisrael Adonai Or you can know that there's one God because you received it by tradition. And the second two are insufficient, right, in comparison to the first. Right? Because only the first do you really know. Right? And so they are ordered in the order of their significance and importance. And Rabbeinu Sa'adya Gaon, in his book, Sefer Ha'emunot Vidyarot, right? Uh, he, or, or there, he already clarified all the different ways by which we can know all the different things, right? And he elaborated on these three over there. So he tells you, if you want to understand it more, go read that book. Um, next time, I'm going to go a little bit into the significance of Rabbeinu Sa'adya. Uh, Rabbeinu Sa'adya Gaon is a very, very important figure, uh, even for Amisa in general, but for Bahia in Makuda in particular. Uh, a lot of Rabbeinu Bahia's Torah is built on Rabbeinu Saadia's Torah. Uh, and, and I'll discuss that next time within the context of a certain uh, point. Either next time or time after, uh, we'll see when we get there. And so, okay, so it's 1.40, so I'll pause here. And if, if there's any questions. Um, so I have just one question at the end. He said that 
he's writing it in 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 levels and from of importance. Where are you seeing that? Maybe he's just saying that it's three even no, no, paths. I'm saying that. I'm saying that. He didn't, right, he didn't write that. How do I know compl- that? I know that from the, the continuation of the book. Oh. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll see it. He's going to spell it out for you. Uh, well, I, I hope that we get there because, I, I, like I said, we're not going to finish the introduction. We'll see how far we get. But, but yeah, he, he says it later. Okay. Any other questions? And by the way, even if you don't know with the muskal, it's clear that in terms of the written Torah as opposed to the oral Torah, right? That there it is a little bit, a little bit clearer, right? The Torah Shabbat is is takes uh, primary importance, right? Over what Hachamim say. Right. Would it be fair to say then that um, well, the second and the third gate? Would be exclusively for 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 Jews or those who subscribe to to the Torah. So, would you say that the first one is universal, or is that something that could only be achieved through the mitzvot that the the, the Jews have? And if so, it seems that this entire third science is 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 um, restricted for, away from all the rest of the people of the world. What, what are your thoughts on that? So that's an excellent excellent question. It's going to be one of the big topics that we're going to discuss in either the next class. I said I'm leaving aside for a second the Sadiago issue because we're that it's going to be based on that question. So I'm not going to answer you now um, because I presume that maybe a third of the next class is going to deal with that. It's, that's going to be a very big question. Uh, I'll answer in short though that yes, the the Sechel is for all of mankind, right? And the nefesh, right? right? All of mankind has a live, right? Right. So this isn't, uh, right? So if you can know something from the sefer, then it, it should be true for everybody. Yeah. And, but we're going to go into it uh, much more in depth next time, or 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 in two times. I don't know. Exactly how to play out. Yeah. Simon, you had a question? I had the same question as Avi, but he asked it much better than I was going to, so that's great. <laughs> great minds okay. think alike. Okay. Any other questions? Going once, going twice. Um, okay, so uh, thank you so much, everyone, for coming. And the next class, with uh, the Chacham will be on Wednesday, next Wednesday, I believe. Um, so thank you for coming. Also, just uh, an announcement that uh, the Chaburah's publishing house did come out with a book on Pesach, so make sure you get that in time for the Moed. And uh, thank you so much, Chacham. It was very insightful, and we're looking forward for next time. My pleasure. Thank you, everybody. Looking thank forward you. for next time.